This show is brought to you by Cakes and Tins, where you can send the people you adore delightful and delicious gifts that give back. Go to cakesintins.com and use the code ACTINGREAL for 10% off. This show is also brought to you by LA Bookmaker, a deluxe stationery shop and custom bookbinder, offering handmade foil stamped cards, high quality calendars, and other ephemeral gifts. Go to la-bookmaker.com. Our clarity story today comes from Jim Riley, a musician. I spent this past summer in the hospital as most anyone who knows me even peripherally would know by my constant updates and heartfelt, grateful, and yet probably annoying posts I made from the hospital as I recovered. It was at that moment when I first confronted my own mortality in the face and that I luckily finally kind of got it. It finally hit me that I've only got so much time left to do what I wanna do. I only have small handfuls of these warm, sunny autumn days and cold fall nights I used to dread now to enjoy. I've spent so much of my entire adult life consumed with making a career of playing music that I ironically forsook the best part, the enjoyment of playing music. As the old Zen saying reads, you find the path to happiness once you stop looking for it. I've finally given myself permission to step off of my self-imposed treadmill of fear. Fear of not making it, whatever the fuck that meant. Fear of someone being better than me. Fear of someone being more successful than me. Fear of fearing that I'm not fearing enough. I've had it. Lying in a hospital bed for six weeks has graciously rewired my mind. I've discovered that while music is still and will always be my lifeblood, I now have a different and more enjoyable view of it. It's like spending your entire life living in New York City and then one day seeing the NYC skyline from New Jersey. I've decided to pull back and focus my attention and passion on only the most important things. Besides, of course, taking time to love and appreciate more of the people in my life, those things are playing my basses, which I truly love more than anything I've ever done musically, producing records on artists I respect and believe in, and finally, figuring out a good way to pass along any and as much of the information I can of a 34-year music career with somewhat successful moments and many experiences accumulated in the cobwebs of my tangled mind. I'm also enamored with my art rock noise band, The Bird Watcher Experiment, where I humbly reside with my pal Jerry Oliver and a gloriously wacky rotating cast of avant-garde weirdos, new album coming soon, haha, and of course, the new Dylans with my lifetime musical foil, Reese Campbell, new album in 2021, shameless, I know. I owe pretty much everything to my amazing wife, Kathy, who has stood by me and endured my ridiculousness for 33 years. She also was the one who insisted I go to the hospital the night I was unknowingly a mere few hours from death that created the possibility of this whole new and improved me. She's a miracle. And now she cares for me because I am not walking as well as I used to. By all accounts, she's a saint. So I guess this year I've decided to embrace this beautiful fall moment and realize how much I have to be grateful for and how much this whole thing matters more than I ever imagined before. It's been one fuck of a year. I cried, I bled, I freaked, I folded, I nearly died. But most importantly, I survived. With gratitude, optimism can be sustainable, as Michael J. Fox says. So I'll recalibrate and finally turn the sulk and obsess faders down 
and move to the dusty area of the soundboard and turn the faders that read be grateful and enjoy up. We'll see what happens. Thank you so much, Jim. If you have a story about a time that changed your life, it can be very mundane. You were hanging out by yourself and you had a thought, or it can be crazy, crazy. You uh, were drinking plant medicine and you had a vision. Um, whatever the story is, if you want to share it, I want to hear it. I really, really, really do want to hear from you. Please email me at claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. That's claritystories at actingrealpodcast.com. Whoa. Hi. My guest today is Nick Kroll. Uh, first of all, we shot this episode, sorry, we recorded this episode um, in February of 2020. So before all of this stuff has gone down that we're now in the middle of. Um, so just keep that in mind as you listen to us. Uh, COVID was not even something probably that either of us had heard of at that point. Um Nonetheless, the stuff that we talk about on this episode is very, uh, has a lot of humanity and we talk about humanness and, um, Nick is super, uh, self-aware. He's been in a lot of therapy and he's very articulate. Um, and he is very open with us. So, you know, we cover insecurity, feeling insecure, um, what to do with that. We talk about feeling fear in really high stakes situation and situations and how to navigate that. We talk about power, feeling unpowerful, feeling very powerful. Um, we talk about how to plan for the future without, you know, stressing about it. Uh, and Nick has a lot of insights. Guys, in case you don't know Nick, he, you know, he has a really prolific career. He was on The League. You may remember him from The League. That was a while ago. Then he did Kroll Show, which he created and stars in, starred in um, and produced. And, uh, of course, now you may right now, like, actively be watching him, uh, well, or hearing him on Big Mouth. Um which is, of course, a, a big hit Netflix show. He also co-created Oh Hello on Broadway with John Mulaney. Um, and that was had a very successful run on Broadway and then was a Netflix special. Um, and, you know, most importantly, Nick's a really sweet, thoughtful dude. And um, I'm so grateful to have had him record this episode on the podcast. And, guys, I should let you know that this is sort of a two-parter. Uh, Nick and I, um, we do a regular old podcast episode, uh, and then we do a part de, in which we, uh, talk about our relationship. Yes. Nick and I dated, we dated for seven or eight months. Neither of us could remember the exact length of time. Uh, but we get in there. Neither of us has really, we hadn't, this was the first time that Nick and I have debriefed our relationship in any way since it ended in, oh, 2008, maybe. Um, it was a special one. It was a short-lived one. Um, it was a, it was a rich one. And um, we talk about it for your, for your listening pleasure. Uh, so enjoy that. And I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Thanks, it yes. is a skeleton, and you have to discover where the bones go.
what I need for my life. I am drawn to create the play. And you must use the play. You must use it like an ingredient. It was a fun party. So you gotta get after it. Gotta get after it. So I gotta Was that you were just like, fuck it, let's have a dance party? Yeah, dance party for no reason. Gotta do it. I like to dance. And I don't like, and I think I like the idea of throwing a party like that, dance party for no reason. Um, because then if you don't want to go to that party, you don't have to. It's not a birthday. Right, There's no right. obligation. It's only like, it's because someone's, oh, you're like, I want to go dance. Do you struggle with that? Like, do you ever get, do you get invitations all the time where you're like, fuck, I feel I have to go? Um, A little bit. I have decent one, I'm an inherently social person, so I don't mind going to things like social situations don't give me anxiety mm-hmm. for the most part. And I know plenty of highly capable socialized people who get anxiety mm-hmm. going to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really suffer from that. Um, and Why do you think? Um, I mean, you just never have? Or like, like, do you just have a lot of confidence? Like, why do you think n- that's n- never been? <laughs> <laughs> um, I selectively have confidence. Um and I think I specifically do have, I've, I think, always been comfortable socially. I think, like, I'm the youngest of four kids. I've always been around a lot of people. I've always, so, like, growing up, I just was always, there was always my siblings and their friends around. So I just was able to, you know, I just spent a lot of time, you know, yapping away. You were funny. You were always funny. I always thought I was funny. I think, I, you know, it's that question is sort of like, uh, yes, theoretically, yes, I was always funny, but I don't think anyone was like, oh, he's going to go be like a professional comedian. <laughs> Do you know what but I mean? I mean, in social settings, yes. like you always felt like that was like an easy way of like making friends yes. and feeling comfortable as yes. you would like make jokes and stuff. Yeah, totally. In a weird way. And only in recent years that I've realized in certain I'll like finish a night out like at a party or something like that and kind of realize that I like. Um, entered into some other weird state. Yeah. Like I hit some other frequency where I don't think like I'm a bit of a little like I like to bop around a party. I like to have real conversations with people and like dig in quickly. Um, But I do love to like float around a party and I think I enter some weird kind of state in there. What can you talk more about it? Um, I it's it's a little I mean, it's I don't I use the term flow state very loosely sure sure because i don't actually think that's what flow state is but i do think um it's just something turns out i mean it's if it's if it's a party where i have a good grasp on people there um do you know what i gotta cut you off for a second because uh i actually (laughs) just this morning i was like oh nick is coming tonight and like i feel like i haven't like watched anything really good like recently uh-huh. like the last thing i saw you in uh-huh. really was um oh hello uh-huh. i saw it in los angeles and yeah. of course you know like i'm a huge fan of yours or whatever Thank you. but i was kind of like dicking around online i was like when's his last stand-up special i was mm-hmm. gonna watch that but i was like oh it feels a little like well i don't mm-hmm. know i just mm-hmm. anyway i landed on randomly this uh video of you and this Tinder thing, this mm-hmm. the Vanity Fair, mm-hmm, Vanity mm-hmm, Fair thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're swiping through this girl's Tinder, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. And I was just like, "Fuck!" Like that is such a talent. Like you were in flow state for sure. Oh, interesting. You know, like I think like watching that 
you know, there was such spontaneity, such like, um, it was just, you're just very quick. I mean, you're just like, I mean, it's like you're just so quick. Well, but it's also, I mean, you know, and you have training in this, like you, you were an improviser sure. or you are an improviser. And of course you're a standup and this is a craft. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not sure. just like by accident, but also you, um, I, I, I believe it. Like if you say you went to the party, uh, you go to a party mm-hmm. and like sometimes you enter a state, like I wouldn't say that's not flow state where you're just information goes through you really effortlessly fast, uh-huh. unselfconsciously. Yeah. I mean, how would you describe that feeling? Um, well, there's different versions of it. And I like, so I think I have, and I think a lot of them, much of those states for me are, are verbal, um, and much many of them are interacting with other people and it can verge from one person to 10 people to like so there are times like on stage or right now like in our writer's room for big mouth where there are days or moments where like we will be breaking something and something will like flow or fall out of me that is a fully formed like a lot of writers and stuff but an artist in general, like it is these weird moments where you got to get hit with something and then, and it, and it comes out very clearly. Um, and I'm, and, and I think those are moments where I'm like, oftentimes I feel like I'm in the, in that flow state when I'm in conversation uh-huh. with other people. Rarely do I feel entirely in a flow state on my own. And so what, uh, okay. So first of all, when you're on your own, what, what makes you say you're you don't feel in a flow state. I don't know. I think I just so much of my, my, um, much of my processing in my art is verbal. Um, it's in conversation. Like as you're talking, ideas are formed. Yes. Yes. And until I verbalize them out loud, they are not fully realized. And so like when you're just like hanging out by yourself at your house, are you, do you feel like your brain is not like, like what, what's, what are you thinking about? I mean, I'm thinking about everything in life. It's, I, I think anxiety can build on my own. Um, it's oftentimes like the voice in my head is not the, is not the most positive voice, uh, around. I, I would say most of, and I don't know, I can't speak to that. At least the people s- in my life, like I'd say nobody is a harder critic of them. Uh, nobody's a harder critic of myself than I am. And, and I so say, is that what the voice says is like, it's not always so negative, but it's just not necessarily, I don't know what my idea is until I say it out loud. Like, but okay. But, but so, okay. I have, a, I got to start <laughs> taking some fucking notes. Um, okay. So uh, there's just two distinct directions I want to go in. Okay. The, the first one is, let me just go back for a second. Yeah. And I want to know, do, what do you do or do you do anything like intentionally consciously Mm. to cultivate the circumstances you need to be in that state? Um, I professionally, I put myself, I've been, had the fortune to put myself in scenarios that I've started to build them over the last like decade to create scenarios where my, my ability to verbalize my ideas uh, I'm set up to do that. So it started like, you know, when we met years, like over a decade ago, or we met before that, but like, we like, met like, we met like 15 dude, years or more years no, ago. Like we met 
Yeah, Do we leave? More like probably like 2004. Yeah. 2003. Sure. 16, yeah, 16, 17. You just go. It's <laughs> fucking crazy. Okay. It's crazy. Okay. Um, That's a real yeah. trip. So, um, but I, I, I think like I've set up scenarios like on, on, you know, before I had Kroll show me and John Daly, we would be breaking like, you know, the idea for rich dicks right, or right. the Ed Hardy boys. And we would go for a hike and like, I could sit down at a computer and try to write that all day. But if we went for a hike, we would just start to break, like, what's the story that we want to tell and then stop every 10 minutes and like on the hike and write little notes to be like, okay, they're going to go here. They're going to go that, or there's some line that we want to make sure that we get. And then it gets put down on paper at some other point. Yeah. Um, once I got Kroll show, there was a writer's room where I no longer had to type. Like as soon as I put myself in front of a computer, I die. Uh, my creativity is like stifled pretty, pretty. And it's something that I'd like to work on because I I don't want to be someone who can't sit at a computer and write, but like, it's not where my um, skills lie. Like when you're in your, in the writer's room, are you moving around? Uh, physically? Yeah. Um, sometimes I get a little, I get a little jumpy. So I'll, I, um, I like not as much as I would like to be moving around. I'd like to be standing and moving. Unfortunately, it's usually like moving towards snacks and then back <laughs> so it's not my best. But but I part of the reason for snacks is like I just don't want to be seated. Well, snacks are great, but but also what the reason I asked that is because um, there is actually like science about this, and like I don't know the science, but I vaguely understand the idea about the science mm -hmm. that bipedal movement, uh -huh. um, sure. which is mm -hmm. what is happening while you're walking, is that both sides of your body are moving or biking, mm -hmm. or and this is a lot of the science behind EMDR, which is like becoming increasingly yes. popular yeah, yeah, yeah. as a therapy. Um, um, is that when both sides of your body are moving, both sides of your brain are, are mm. active. Mm -hmm. Um, and so walking actually is like a really creative. I, I totally buy that. And I wish I did. I wish I figured out how to do that more because I oftentimes will either break stuff on hikes or walks and, and I'd like to do that more. It doesn't really work in, in the, in the current iteration of our writer's room, but like, you know, I'll go for a hike with you know, Manzukas or something. And he's coming on the podcast. Oh, great. Yeah. So he, he, we can all do one on a hike together too. <laughs> yeah. And he, um, like he like, will come and watch my set and then we'll sort of go for a hike and talk through it. And yeah, it's much more effective. I don't have my phone around. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go back because I feel like that's really like really interesting and cool. So Manzukas will watch a set, like a comedy set. The, in now that I'm, I've been building this hour, to go, because again, just to jump around, like you were like, I looked, I was like, just going to see if there was stand up and like videos and stuff there. I haven't put out a special in like 10 years, uh -huh. partly because stand up I've always done as a hobby and it is a conversation, but it's sort of a one way conversation. Like I'm responsible to it I'm myself alone on stage and I don't write much. I have ideas and then I'll get on stage and improvise them out and then record it and listen back and find the chunks that work and yeah. try to get that, you know, like, so it becomes build a written, it. Yeah, I yeah. build it and becomes a written thing, but it, yeah. it doesn't start that way. And I think part of the reason stand up has been less of a focus is partly because of the somewhat solitary nature of the, the conversation, because the conversation is with an audience where they laugh or they don't. It's less yeah. of the the way I really build things normally, which is like a back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to build, I've been building this hour and going on the road and Jason saw 
the first time I put together the 15 to 20 minute chunks of material that I had you been building. You just put it up somewhere in town. I put it up at like UCB at like 6.30 before yeah. I was starting, like two days before I was starting my tour. Uh-huh. And Jason watched it and was like, this, 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 dig, 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 you know, yeah. which is what I would do with him if I had a cut of my movie sure. or, you yeah. know, for him to watch. And certain people are just very good at that element, yeah, good at yeah. that thing. And yeah. so, and he's someone who I know will be incredibly insightful and incredibly honest and incredibly hard uh, on me. It's also like, I think that's what's significant. Cause you know, like the idea, even though like all I would like to, at all times geek out about acting and performing and writing and like all this stuff. I'm really doing this for people who don't do that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the real idea that I have for doing this podcast is just that people who've never acted or done stand up or written in the world can listen to people talk about that stuff and gain a lot of insight that is very usable in their like everyday lives in their office jobs. And I think, you know, what you're talking about is significant because people, I don't, it's very hard to, you can't watch yourself and be doing the thing at the same time. I can't. I mean, you can cultivate that skill a little bit, but if you're really doing your job, if you're really present Mm -hmm. in your performance Mm -hmm. or in your, you know, interview Mm -hmm. at work or your presentation Mm -hmm. or whatever, you are not also able to to criticize yourself or to, to you, watch yourself. Do you value being in, in the present more than anything? Me personally? Or yeah, I mean like in... In performance? Yeah. Fuck fucking yes. Yeah. I think it is the only way to be. Now, that's not entirely true, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're trained, our craft is um, like as an actor, we go in and out of sort of to- pure presence, mm-hmm. pure awareness mm-hmm. all of the time. Um, and so, and we are, you know, I believe that actually like there's three consciousnesses happening, sort mm-hmm. of so three states, like the, the, the seer, the scene and the seeing itself. Mm-hmm. And that we can actually toggle back and forth between these three states of, of uh-huh. awareness uh-huh. essentially. Um, um, but in order to do that, you have presence is, is the, is the yeah. gel. And I, I think I. I think that's I'm I'm I feel for the most part very comfortably living in the present for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I do think that artistically that that's a place that I feel comfortable doing so for the for the most part. Um, and I and I but it also means that I have had to set up a way to have people or systems in place so that I can be present. And also there is like a record of what I've done. Yeah. Uh, because, um, and again, I know that's a very, it's a luxury for me. You know what I mean? That I, but I, but well, I do believe like. I what, don't actually know that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yes, in some ways uh, it's very, uh, there's, there's 
of course, in some way, of course, it's a luxury to have assistance. And mm-hmm. I don't mean, I don't even know necessarily sure. what you're, but systems in place yes. wherein you can kind of just bounce around and not yeah. necessarily have to think so far into the future yeah. or about making sure that you have things that you need or whatever. But, uh, but, yeah. but there's also something extremely uh, intentional about it because there are so many people with a bazillion dollars and a bazillion in assistance and a bazillion, like all of the luxuries sure. at their disposal who are freaking out constantly yeah so i yeah yeah i, mean, I would say like you know in it's interesting if, to put the lens a little bit on like well what is the stuff about like particularly what i what i do as a writer or an actor or comedian whatever but as as far as how it works for uh for people who are not in in the entertainment industry but are trying to glean like interesting things about how people, what the processes or, you know, systems people put in place or, or how they go about it. And I think like the thing that I am, that I am proud of about myself that I also think can also be challenging at times is that I, I think I have a strong enough ego to believe that I'm like good at what I do, but also that other people can help me make it better. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I don't feel like I need to do everything to show that I am, that I've done it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah. like, that I, that if you create systems and in teams of people that can help you accomplish what you want, and you'll still, and I'll still, I know I'll still get plenty of credit for that. Um, and I know that other people do certain things better than me and that like, I don't, and I, and can you I'll, get a, just like a little bit more specific? Sure. Um, like on big mouth, there's four, uh, creators and EPs. There's me, Andrew Goldberg, Jen Flackett and Mark Levin. The, they brought the idea of the show to me, Andrew and I grew up together. Mark and Jen are a husband and wife. They, Andrew was their assistant, like in, the early 2000s when he was in grad school then they have they uh, wrote a few pilots together and then brought me the show and um i was like great and it's just like we have very different skill sets uh-huh. like i don't go to colors i don't go to like i don't go to like animatic i don't go to picture locks uh-huh. i'm like uh-huh. i don't need to go to that yeah. like they're great at this and it's a again a luxury that i'm like the the actor the name that gets associated with the show that i can like don't have to go to that but it's also like that's not what my skills are yeah yeah. my skills lie elsewhere my well skills, and obviously they agree yeah they agree i mean <laughs> yeah because they also like look people have to do things in their jobs that they don't like but then also some people like really like those elements of things like andrew is incredibly he's incredibly funny and smart but he's also incredibly organized yeah in a way that i'm not i'm like i've you know i remember when we started kroll show that i like the first season would like go on tech scouts even though we had a director i would go on tech scouts to show everyone that i knew that i had an opinion on every element of the, the dot, dot 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 and then i was like that's not the way i should be spending my time Right. Personally, I should be in the writer's room with my like the other writers, like coming up with more insane things for us to do and think about. But me going on a tech scout to look at a classroom and be like, this is okay. Yeah. Look at me. It's my show with my name on it. So I can approve this classroom. Like that just wasn't a good use of my time. Right. And I'm just like, I'm not an auteur. Yeah. Like I'm just not. 
I'm just, that's not what my, there's a through line to my work, uh-huh. but it's going to be with a lot of different collaborators yeah. and it's going to cover a lot of different subject matter. Yeah. And there's going to be like through lines to it. But it's like, to me, I think so much of where people get caught up in, in anything they do is inside of their ego of like either feeling like they're better than everyone and therefore nobody can help them do the thing they need to do or they're insecure about their role in this and so they're posturing or showing off or slinking away and and or not voicing their feelings or something and then getting angry or resentful inside of it um um <laughs> what yes i completely i i love all that yeah. and i and i agree and i um I think like something very destructive, but I mean, look what I'm struck by as you're sitting here. Um, cause I, I feel you. And like, what I feel is mm-hmm. <laughs> that you are very present and that, you mm-hmm. know, your life is, I mean, you're sitting in a cool writer's room all day, like with, you know, so much creativity mm-hmm. and you're probably very tired and so busy and like all the things, but your juices are really Mm -hmm. like flowing and you're very sharp, you know, you're very, uh, focused and Mm. there's not a lot of other things going on. And that is a luxury. Mm -hmm. That's like a wonderful, beautiful, Mm -hmm. creative place to be in that you get to essentially like practice your creativity for most of the hours of your day totally, and like not really worry about anything else. You know, like you can really just focus on that. That's your one job. You get paid for it. Like nobody else is like coming at you because everyone knows you're busy. Everyone has respect for what you're doing. And like you get to just do that. Yeah. And that's like really, really cool. It's the coolest. Um, It's coolest. So when you're in this space, like when's the last time? I mean, can you even remember? Like, I I mean, I it's like I I don't want to like. I guess I, I mean, I'm doing this because like I want to, um, again, like I, I, you know, I think this, I think it's valuable for people to hear about, uh, and, and talk about, about these feelings. Um, yeah. were you, when's the last time like you weren't in this zone? Um, there are various times that I, as an actor, uh, the, the things that I struggled with most and still do is like memorizing my lines mm-hmm. and then feeling like I am not delivering the performance I want because I'm m- most concerned with like that I say all the words mm-hmm. like the lines right, mm-hmm. um, which is just putting in work. But also my brain just is not built to like absorb stuff as quickly in that way. But that's the only as an artist, that's the time that I feel like stunted and feel like, um, not present. Like when I, if I were shooting something and I was improvising and not like I get to make up my own words entirely and constantly coming up with jokes, but like we were doing this scene of this thing. Like if I could get 90, 85% of the words right and get the intention across, I'm golden. Yeah. But as soon as someone tells me I have to be Who's word perfect, not letting you occasionally people are, people are doing that. And, and so what do you do when you're on set and you sort of get, you said stunted, what does that feel like? Um, it feels like it was a lesson I learned a, a, a while, a long time ago, but I still have to use it. And I have, I try to use it across the board, which is, um, is like, uh, 
when my first couple commercials and my first bunch of gigs that I had, I um, was, I, I remember my first couple commercials literally going blank, freezing. It was a 30 second monologue straight to camera. I didn't know, I didn't have the skills to like learn how to memorize lines at that point very well. And I just would be, I would freeze over and over and I could feel the crew getting like, you know, you still feel the crew starting to get annoyed yeah. and the day you're losing light and everything. Like it happened twice mm. on two different commercials. And it was like, and I just like, couldn't get it. And once it happens once. It's done. Oof. Yeah. It's like, and then you're in your head and then you're like, I said all the words right, but then you're like, I was screaming that take right. because you're so amped up or whatever. So I, an old therapist that I had in New York, I was telling him about this and he was like, well, I think you just need to like acknowledge your fear. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, that's been a huge lesson for something like, I'm scared. I'm not going to say the line right to everything else to like, I remember the first number of times I went on a talk show being like, you're scared right now. Like literally there's this moment right before you go to a talk show where they like, hold, like, you know, like they're going to hold the curtain open for you. They're going to raise some door and you're sitting there alone and you're like, I'm about to go on national TV and I've like sort of prepared and they're, they have the questions and I need to get the answer, you know, like all that shit. Yeah. And it's just like, I am scared right now, yeah. you know, or like all the other elements. And I've tried to take that from my professional life and bring that stuff into my personal life as well. Can you give us an example of that? Like being in a serious relationship and like, you know, acknowledging that it's scary that like it's to be in a very serious relationship where someone else is dependent on you and you're dependent on someone else. Mm. And, and, and like acknowledging your fear inside of that does not make it so that you're not with that person. You're just acknowledging to yourself that it's scary. Yeah. And like, if you can, be honest with yourself that you're scared of the realities of your relationship, that you're not going to memorize your lines that like, like you're scared that like you're going to fuck up a presentation. Then you're like, okay, I now I see that fear. And I like, um, it's like, and so then what do you do with it? What do you do with that energy? Uh, you, it just becomes energy that you're no longer trying to like use to tamp down this thing that lives inside of you. You're just like, he's just, she's just like sitting by your side. Yeah. I mean, that's, see what you just said, I think is really interesting because we have to acknowledge the fear, but then also, uh, we can't judge it. Right. Like accept it. Yeah. You have to accept it. I mean, it's like a lot of that and you can speak to it better, I'm sure, but it's like, you know, like all that your shadow and like trying to figure out like all those little shadows and like monsters that are, uh, that are around us. And like in, in, in my case, something like fear, like as silly as like getting my lines, right. Being like, I'm going to not get my lines, right. I'm going to hold everything up for everybody and everyone's going to like, and I'm going to, I'm going to blow it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'm going to blow it. So well, like, it's, like a, it's a failure. It's like a, a failure, failure thing. Right. Yeah. So then, so then it's like, okay, <laughs> I, boy, I'm scared I'm going to screw up these lines. But I think I've told myself I'm scared I'm going to screw up my lines. So I've prepared. And if I don't get it right away, that's fine. And also, like, empirical evidence points to the fact that, like, I always end up getting it. Yeah. You know? And, like, then it's like, all right, so I have that with me. And then the first take, I kind of screw up the lines, like, one line. Yeah. And nobody seems to care very much. And they're like, hey, the line is this. And it's like, okay. And then... And then the next time it's like, oh, no, I'm not. No, it's fine. I got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's just so much you, people. I feel like 
have so much wasted energy on the things that are not the the task at hand. Yeah. Again, I, I'm very aware of the fact that I've been able to over the years, like hire an assistant to deal with like my travel or hire an accountant to pay my bills so that I can spend as much of my time focused on the things that I need to do or I want to do. Uh-huh. Um, but what else? Because those are very concrete, practical things, but people also waste their energy. Um, I don't think much about the future or the past. Yeah. I mean, talking about li- trying to live in the present. Like yeah. I just don't, I don't worry too much. Uh, I don't fill my, I try not to fill myself with too much anxiety about what's coming. Cause I, I can't, I can't really control it. And I don't spend a ton of time like looking back on the past with either regret or, um, or nostalgia. Yeah. But this, but see, these are, I mean, you know, you say it like it's sort of this simple factual thing, which by the way, it is. <laughs> sure. But the and reality, yet, yeah. these, I mean, this is like, you know, this is like a lifetime of mm. wisdom. I mean, people spend a thousand years cultivating the yeah. ability to not like look into the future or, you know, regret the past mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, these are, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I, I just like, I, what I, what I would love, um, and, and, you know, same about, uh, same about the, the fear and the acknowledging of the fear is, what I would love if possible is to kind of distill it a little further, Mm -hmm. like, uh, and and also just talk about the practices that, that you, um, that you have around that. Mm -hmm. Like now what I, what's tricky a little bit is like, you know, cause, and I, and I, and I know what this feels like, um, because I've, I've been there, um, and it's such a special fun fucking ride Mm -hmm. that you're so busy that like, there's just not a lot of time to like do it, do any of that stuff anyway, that neuroses in a way. No, I, 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 one of the things that I try to do, at least for myself is stay very busy. Like I, find that I am at my best and most productive when I have a few different things going on. Not like six things, but like three So when's things. the last time you like crashed? When's the last time you like had to get your fucking therapist on the horn because you were freaking out about something? Um, I mean, that's okay if it was 10 years ago. Like, I, yeah. I just, I'm curious. Um, um, yeah, I mean... Are I mean, you in think, therapy right now, by the yeah, way? Yeah. Okay. I've so, been, so, so. I've been consistently in therapy. I mean, I had a therapist in my end of my time in New York and it sort of weaned off when I came to LA basically for a little while. And then, um, and then I re-engaged and I've been, I think regularly in therapy for like, let's say like seven or eight years right now. Yeah. This run. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's feels about like seven years or something like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I find that to be incredibly important to my productivity. Why? Um, because I'm just working through the things that are would be impediments to me. And I think I go to therapy basically pretty, pretty aware. Like, I think I'm some it's weird because I have this vision in my head as like, I'm the youngest of like, a privileged family. And I'm a little fuck off who like parties and like, doesn't like, take things seriously. That's like the vision I still in on some level have in my head of myself. Yeah. Even though, you know, that's not, no, even though I know it's not true and I'm yeah. like incredibly productive. Yeah. Um, but I, that's sort of some vision I have in my head. Um, and yet 
uh, I, when I go, I'm not that way really. And when I go to like therapy, I'm like, I think these are the two or three things that I really need to talk about. I'm, I rarely do I go in like completely, I don't know where this is going to go. Oh, session really? Wise. Fuck, I love that. I love not knowing. I uh, love, I love not knowing what I'm going to talk about. Yeah. I, I don't seem to work that way. And every, and most of the times it's pretty tangible. Like I'll be like, okay, now how do I have this conversation? Like at the end of the so session, you're, I'm like, are so you're into like some behavioral shit. I mean, your therapist is a pretty behavioral. It sounds meaning like, like do you guys talk about your childhood? Yeah. 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 Oh, you do. You yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We do. But I'm also like practically, practically I've covered, it. there's still some discoveries there in, in real ways and in lovely ways. And how still prescriptive like, is your therapist? She'll, she'll be like, all right, well, let's have that conversation. And I'll be like, okay. Um, Hey, I'm angry. Uh, I'm angry that you, you know, you made me feel upset that like that this occurred this way. Uh And she's like, well, here's why I did that. I'm like this. You practice conversation. Well, we will occasionally do that. Okay. So you role play with your therapist. I guess so. Right. Yeah. I wear a nightie. (laughs) (laughs) We have an interesting relationship. First joke of the first, first joke of the cast. Yeah, we're, we're the, I know. Sorry, guys. An hour in. Sorry about no, that. No, this I'm, is what I'm here for. This uh, is my fucking jam. Yeah, I love talking to a comedian who doesn't Do, joke with me for about a half hour. So, I love but it. I think like um, she. So I don't do that all the time, but it's like when I know I'm like because sometimes it's just the like. You know, and then this happened and it's sort of annoying and she'll be like, yeah, well, it sounds like this is, you know, maybe. And I'm like, yeah, it's she's like, or what do you think is happening? I'll be like that. And sometimes I'm like, no, I need to go have this conversation with this person tomorrow. And because I work verbally, sometimes I need to have that conversation out loud to have it like sink in yeah. in the way that like I can't learn. It's just like, I can't learn my lines just reading my lines. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do it alone. I need to run my lines with same, someone. Same, same. And as soon as, and I will, if I could sit with my lines for four hours and not learn them. And if I get to run a scene with someone like four times, I will. Yeah. 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 So I need to have that. Not always, but, but my point being like, I want to go to therapy and get shit done. <laughs> I do too, by the way. And by the way, I think this is like, what is the sign of a good therapist? Like, I mean, this is, and this is what I tell my friends. Like you should, therapy is not about like you go to therapy and you're like, yeah, 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 it was was good. good." No, it should be like, as you're leaving, you're like, whoa. And every once in a while she'll like drop a bomb on me and it doesn't happen often. And I'm like, yeah. And I'll, and so I, I'm very consistently in therapy. It's a major priority for me to yeah. have that have that muscle like so like if I'm gone we'll Skype. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, like I'm pretty consistently like it's rare that I go more than two weeks without seeing her. Yeah. I mean, I look, I'm not, I've read everyone <laughs> who listens to this podcast knows, like I'm really a fan of therapy because, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's like, if you have a headache, you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a heartache, mm-hmm. you go to a doctor, like mm-hmm. there are people yeah. there who can help you totally. feel better in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, if we're not feeling content or we're feeling scared or we're feeling sad or whatever like the issue is there are people who are trained to help us kind of get to the bottom of it um, and really change our lives I mean really really yeah I mean I think about I mean you know part of it is just getting older and like you just learn things in your life but I do believe my therapist has been incredibly helpful in making me 
the person that I want to be professionally and, and in really honestly more so in my personal life. Uh, professionally, for the most part, I have I don't spend a ton of my time there in that way. I mean, what she will what we will find is like, oh, the issue I'm having with a significant other is a similar issue that I'm having with a coworker, right. which is simple, you know, and it's like, oh, it's like I'm I'm avoiding conflict here. Right, okay. Right, I'm doing right. that there and I'm doing that here. Okay, great. Right. Got, like, so how did I deal with it there? How do I deal with it here? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, back to the earlier thing, I believe staying busy with like a few different things keeps that thing super warm so that even if I'm not in my writer's room every day, like that week gets filled up with stuff. What? Tell me. Um, well, like last year it was like stand up, but like during the day, if I wasn't traveling, it was like, you know, Skyping or having a phone call with a writer that I'm developing another show with or with my partners on Big Mouth about uh, breaking like the new show that we're making there or, you know, giving notes on a color so you're, you're screening. you're centralizing or, creativity. Yeah. Like that, even if you're not getting specifically paid to do a job that day, yeah. you are finding a yes. million things. Or to I'm like, I got nothing to do in L.A. for two weeks. So I'll be like, you guys, you can set up a couple like generals for me. I'll go meet that person that I was supposed to meet. Or like I'll have a drink with that other actor who you guys like. And maybe something will come out of it. Maybe something won't. But uh -huh. like if the if the muscles warm like usually I'm like, oh yeah, like that flow conversation will un reveal something interesting. I mean, if I like the person yeah. and the person likes me, but like, yeah. I'll be like, oh, because I'm, because I just spent like two hours earlier talking about story. Now we're having this drink and you've brought up this one idea. And then we have my, my story brain is, is running hot and we've found the, th we found something. Um, when's the last time you felt like insecure or it yeah. Like when's the last time you felt like not good enough? Uh, I mean, it's okay if it's been a while. I, no, I it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty consistent. I like, think we can hold like incredible levels of confidence and incredible levels of insecurity. I do too. Um, so I feel insecure regularly. We just had like Oscars weekend uh -huh. and that weekend, you know, again, it's like, uh, and this is all so relatable, but like <laughs> that weekend is filled with parties and there are, um, there are like the, the spirit awards, the independent spirit awards, uh, which, which you hosted, which right? we hosted twice. And then I you went and, and presented me and John hosted mm -hmm. twice. And I had been like, uh, presenting at a few other awards, things on my own, whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, and I went back and did the Spirit Awards with Mindy Kaling, mm -hmm. and we presented something, and it was totally fine. Like, like almost every banter of two people on stage and an awards ceremony, as long as it's not terrible, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and it was totally fine, and Mindy was lovely, and but it was like I didn't kill. Uh. And I, for the rest of that day, was like, I, I know this is so unlike. Not, it's, it's not it's not unrelatable it's you know it's like it's these these constant measures that we put on ourselves so that like whatever the whatever the like the so i was like i finished that and was like well i blew that now this whole weekend is like 
it was not it's not as fun but then but then i come back around off of it you know yeah, what but I mean? so 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 how did you come back around off of it and 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 uh, wh- what were the voices saying like i, I think it's like you know I mean, honestly, it's partly like, oh, or there was like all these Oscar weekend, there's all these parties. And like, I got invited to plenty of cool parties. There was like one or two parties that I was like, I'd like to go to this party. I was not invited. And I was Uh like, I could not weasel my way and invite to a party. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I thought about like my therapist and I talked about like, like me being like the youngest and comparing myself to others and not feeling good enough. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, and I know it sounds so like whatever, but you you can I could point to six things in a week that are all different, but that all come back in some way at this moment to me starting to realize like, oh, like no matter how many cool parties I get invited to, there's one cool party that I'm not invited to. And that's where the focus lies. How do you think there, there's got to be a way, right, to like cure ourselves to to kind of. Um, to there's got to be a way to loosen yeah. the grip of of like s- sort of uh, like ranking. Sure, I I think well I think a couple things. One, again, just sort of seeing that being like, oh okay, like as opposed to fully looping on that one party I wasn't invited to, I'm like, oh I'm sort of looping on this because I'm now I had now I have a story that I can tell that makes sense to me, which is like, oh, you're looping on this because it's like the one signifier of you not being good enough and you are comfortable with that think feeling about yourself. Right. So like it's gonna, easy for you to keep telling that story that you're not good enough. Like that's yeah. a very like well-worn synapse. It's a very, it's a groove that runs deep on, yeah. I, I mean, from sure me and I think a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And it's partly what like... I think like I have tried to use like that feeling of not feeling good enough to be to make myself better. So it's like it's a weird like old survival thing in like deep in our like human like animal like systems to be like I need to be better so I that don't I can know. survive. I don't know about that, Nick. I honestly actually I don't know about that. Uh-huh. I, I mean I think that uh like deep in our primordial human like instinct, animal instinct, we don't think about better or worse. Just survival. Yeah. Just survival and I think there's like a sense that we're basically good. We're basically good enough. Sure. And that we're not, you know, I think like where all this this neuroses comes in is in this this thought that there are people who are better than we are. Mm-hmm. And therefore, because we all have to fall somewhere on this hierarchy, mm-hmm. that there are also people who are worse than us. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you sure. know? Um, and, I, and as soon as you have either of those thoughts, like I'm better than that person, you're doomed to feel worse than somebody. And as soon as you feel worse than somebody, you're doomed also, or, or, or l- lucky you, you also then get to feel better than someone else. Yeah. But-, but, but how do we, I guess my question is like, how do we avoid any of those thinkings? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> um- Or do you want to? I mean, because what you're talking, I mean, look, uh, there is something to be said for that, right? Like it's motivating. Yeah. You want to be better. Sure. You want to be better. You don't ever want to feel worse then. You want to get to the best parties. I like the the career 
and life that I have. And part of the reason I have that is because I am like competitive and, and compare myself to others and want to rise in like whatever version of ranking that I've created in my head. And I don't, and I'm like, and I don't entirely, I don't hate a lot of that. Sure. Because I've gotten to go do a ton of fucking cool shit. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this combination of like someone was asking about this recently of like, you know, I think our careers are sort of like this thing of how do you try to marry your um, ambition and your patience? Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's the biggest thing is like being like, I strive for this and I also accept that I'm not going to be able to reach this level yet because I have to be patient and, and work. I think the things. marriage, if there is such a thing, if there is actually, if that is a real duality, which yeah. I'm not sure that it is uh -huh. patience and ambition, I'm uh -huh. not sure. Um, but I, if it is, then I think maybe the marriage is like, uh, appreciation, gratitude of everything in general. Yeah. Like, can sure. we be ambitious and, 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 and grateful. Yes. Like, is this good enough? That's is this okay? Absolutely. Yes. Cause I think you can be ambitious and also it's something that I have been working towards and I've gotten much better at is like being ambitious and also appreciating the stage and the stage that I'm at at each stage and yes. that there are different stages inside of that. Yes. Like when, like we knew each other in New York where we were both like, you had gotten a show, you had, you were on like, t you were we like sat, acting. Do you remember when we Union sat at Square? Union Square? Totally. Dude, how did that happen? What, did we just randomly meet there that day? Cause I still remember that conversation. I do too. I, I think we just had maybe ran into each other, like yeah. both like middle of the day. And, you, and it was something like, you were like, how do I get a commercial? Agent? Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe I was trying to get how to get a like a legit agent. Like I probably maybe had a commercial agent at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you were on like some like cop like detective y show. Was it like an was it not an NYPD blue? Was or it the unusuals? Maybe. Was that when I was doing that? Was it like with a I feel no like it was with way. a wall? No, because then we Oh, the the pilot. Yeah, NY70. Yes. Yeah, with a Wahlberg. And you Donnie. were like, you were with Don, you were like in a TV show. It was a big deal. Yeah, and that show like, was a big deal. Wow. Yeah. And I was like doing, auditioning for commercials and radio voiceover. And I was like trying to figure out how to get a like a legit agent. Yeah. Like, and was working towards that. And, and then we moved to LA. We were both on a show. I was on Caveman and you were on the Brad Garrett show. I can't remember the name of it right now. Till Death. Till Death. And Across the lot from each other. Yes. And we were living near each other. And we like, and I remember being like, I made it to a show. I made it to being on TV. And I was like, this is really cool. And also like, it, it was Caveman. I was very happy when it was over because it was a nightmare. But I think like, I think I was like, wow, I get to be on TV. That's cool. Yeah. And then the strike happened and we did that. We did the strike show together, which yeah. was, again, an example, I think, for both of us of, for me, I don't, my way to exert control is to. It was a fundraiser. It yeah. was a fundraiser for. Uh, and the MFPA uh, or what, uh, motion picture. Oh, yeah. MFTP. Yeah. The motion picture television fund. Yeah. It was yeah. for people below the line MPTF. who were being affected yeah. by the strike, uh -huh. which we might have to go do again soon, by the way. Oh, 10, fuck, yeah. yeah. So, Dude. I know. Oh crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. So, but, but that example, I yeah. think, for both of us was, like, my show got canceled. The strike happened. Everything went dead, at least for all of us, for the most part. Yeah. And we went and organized a show to raise money, but also because it's like, I, I got to... 
I want to go do something. Yeah, yeah. And we did that. And and I think both of us, like, I enjoyed the process of creating. I felt like we were being productive at, for a good cause of, like, raising some money. And I met a bunch of cool people that I didn't know. And, like, yeah. it was just all these things. And, like, so for me, I've always felt more in control when I am, like, creating yeah. and staying busy. And also, like, trying to set things in motion that I know aren't going to be at the forefront of my focus for like three years right right so right. that like and it becomes cyclical that's really beautiful that's a really beautiful piece of advice so because it, we're not trying to think about the future but we are maybe trying to plant some seeds yes. always i think you can i think if you can think enough about the future because i do think about the future yeah but like in and so describe that like how do you think about the future and kind of in um, kind of a manifesty kind of way not to put words in your mouth um yeah no not in a manifesty kind of way okay. at all in fact okay um it's like anything from like um putting the towel back on the rack uh because i don't want like a wet towel on my bed <laughs> okay to like um to um like looking out at my next year and being like, I finished big mouth on this date. What do I think could fill in the rest of that year? Mm. Is it like stand up? Okay. Well then I'm going to go out and try to do two sets this week to mm. get enough of an hour together so that when I finish the room in June, uh, I will have already told my agent to set up dates X, Y, and Z or mm. something like that. Like, and not like never letting June roll around and be like, fuck, I want to go on tour. So this is like a fun kind of exercise for you. Like, it's like you set your own kind of like goals. I mean, goals are motivating points. Sure. And you could say manifestation or, or whatever, but I, I'm trying to get better at intention, being more intentional, which is not something that I. I do, but I don't take the time to literally be intentional to be like, what do I want out of this uh, experience? So how are you working on intentionality? Uh, I should be working more on it. Um, of just being like, yeah, what do I want out of this? Like whatever the experience is. Yeah. Like, but I didn't. Like today, like I walked in, but I'm not like, I didn't walk in today. Um I guess maybe I was like, well, I have a feeling Kat will want to talk about this kind of stuff. And so like I should be like prepare my brain for that kind of conversation. But it doesn't require that much because we've we've known each other. I've done a lot of podcasts. I'm comfortable talking about my process. So it doesn't actually require a ton of my I've done the intentionality over the years to prepare myself to be like present to have this conversation right now on this day. Right, right. But in other spaces, I don't always, I would like to be better at it. Of like, like what? Um, like, um, uh, like, like, do you set an intention? Before? Yeah, sorry. I don't no, I was that. like, I'm like, oh, like, I'd like to be better at like having dinner with my parents. Great. And being like, what do I want out of this dinner with my parents? And what usually... And it usually, honestly, pretty does flow nicely where it's like, I want to like connect to them and talk about the big things in my life and their life. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. And uh, I want to like, you know, enjoy the time I have with them. Try not to be short with them, uh -huh. which I'm... That's the worst. I know, me too. Yeah. So, but you... But so you're driving to dinner mm -hmm. and you maybe just plant that seed or how does it go? I would like to be better at that. I don't plant right. it enough. I don't... 
I don't give part of the 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 stopper from being well. Honestly, I don't think I have to think about it intentionally, but I think it's like the goal is to be present wherever I am. And it's a good thing in general. In general, I find myself, if I am wherever I am when I'm there, then I'm, then it will be a productive and useful and interesting experience. How do you know you're present? Uh, I've asked that a million times on this podcast, by the way. How do I know? How do you know you're present? Yeah, it's a hard question. Well, that's the, I don't, again, I like hearing you talk about the seer seeing and the third is being seen. Is that what? The seer, the seen and the seeing itself. Yeah. The problem is when you can feel yourself being present, that means you're popping out of your presence to view yourself being present. Sure. And that's when it like, it starts to fall. That's the tricky thing about gratitude. Yeah. Is like, how do you feel gratitude without like um stopping short the thing that you are doing like it's like being able to like be driving on the highway and see like a sign that says like gratitude and be like yeah all right great gratitude but then you keep driving down the you keep driving down the highway yeah yeah yeah. Um, because i think once you stop and really like sit in your gratitude yeah i personally or when i do that then i pop out tell me well, tell me about that. You pop out of gratitude when you sit in your gratitude. I pop out of the presence that I was being grateful for, and then and then I and then I'm in my gratitude for a second, but then I start to immediately either feel like fuck, I've lost my train of thought. I'm not grateful anymore, and then I'm like, you know, or wait. So describe that. So you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I'm grateful, and then you're like oh yeah, I should have a moment of gratitude for right yes. now. And then you're like, fuck, now I'm not even fuck. Now I, I yes. lost my train of thought. Yes. <laughs> like now I'm not grateful. I've had that like on, like sometimes in scenes, you know, when you're mm. acting in a scene, you're like, this scene's going so fucking well. Yeah, this right. is so fun. And right, then you're like, right, as soon right. as that happens, you like stumble over your next line. Yeah. Or like I've been on stage, this tour I've been doing, um, you know, it's like, you know, I'm playing like 12, 1500, 2000 seat theaters. And these people are just there to hear whatever I have to say. So how do you do, how do you deal with that? Like, what's your, you know, cause you know, again, like I, I try to relate this to like people who don't get on stage in front of 2000 people, but people walk through the fucking world. People have anxiety going to Trader Joe's. People have anxiety walking across the street because there are people in cars just looking at their bodies crossing the street. I mean, you know what I mean? We deal in the world with so much self-consciousness and social anxiety and just shame shame and so how do you contend with those things when the stakes are at that level um i i mean look again like i you know i asked this question but i i i understand i mean you know you're at you're you're a very experienced performer so you may but i think it's like again it's you know the practice of of doing the thing that you want to do so like you know, personally, when I talk to people who are like, I don't, and look, different people are different ways. So like, I'm thinking of like a few different examples of things that make people feel anxious and not feel present and feel like outside of their bodies, right? So like, we've talked about going to a party, some people are like, I don't like going to a party, like, I don't feel comfortable at a party, right? I get scared. I get hella scared going to parties. Right. I'll just talk about it right now. So give me advice, okay? Like sometimes, I mean, like really, like, so sometimes I get scared about like someone's gonna, um, like, like I have shame that will come up, like, you know, Like someone, like someone's like, why didn't you call me back? Or like, no, like, why, like. like like more like oh god it's so deep it's just like it's like i have shame like i mean i have a lot of stuff sure, sure i have sure. stuff like here's one of my stuff is like 
Oh man. Like I have stuff like, like part of my issue is that I like being in conversations like this, yes. but this isn't really, this isn't a party convo. No, you know? but I think you I have a can, hard time with small talk. Sure. Like, but I think, and again, everybody's different. You don't have to go to parties. People don't have to go to a lot of parties, but social gatherings are a part of the human experience. Yeah. And so to, it's, it's, I, I, it, I, it's a, it bums me out that so many people don't like these things that are such a important part of the human experience. Well, and also like, I feel like maybe I'm not, what if I don't have somebody to talk to in that moment? Like what if I don't know enough people or how do I enter into that conversation that those two people are Uh having? Like, I kind of know that person. That person probably knows me. Like how do I just like walk up there? Like I have anxiety like that. Totally. Which totally makes sense. And, and I, I mean, I think like one thing that I, I think there's an, I think that there's a misconception at parties that you have to have small talk. Mm-hmm. Like I think you can drop in um, with people. I think you have to, I try to, f- I assume that everyone is interesting in some way. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I, I can have some small talk, but pretty quickly I'm like, trying to find out some real information yeah, and then seeing if I can relate to it and add my two cents to it. And like, I think so many people, um, weirdly enjoy. And then I'm like, and, and after like five minutes of like a deep conversation, like who was I talking to just the other day who said she was, had a great, Oh, who, fuck, who was it? Um, was just like, Oh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And now I'm moving on. Oh, fuck. And I can't remember now. That's Someone said that to you? Someone said that to a woman I was talking to. Yeah. And she loved it. She was just like, it was so great because we did have the conversation we were meant to have. And then she was going to go socialize elsewhere. Like, I think you can do that. You can pop away from any yeah. conversation you don't want to be in. Yeah. But also, if you're going to have a conversation with someone, like, let get into it. Yeah. And I know it's loud in the party. And I know it's tough. And you have to figure out how to, like, but... I mean, it's also just like who I am. It's easier for me to like You're say very this. You're extrovert. Well, because I'm okay. like, oh, like I was just talking to Kat about like, you know, uh, like, you know, her child and like you just had a child. Like, l- let's yeah, talk yeah. about that. And yeah, this yeah. is what my my sister was talking about this with yeah. her kid when she was that age. And all, like all of a sudden we're talking about something that is meaningful. You know to what people. else I struggle with? And I wonder if you struggle with this or not. But I, I also like I really care about not performing. Yes. (laughs) Like when you said what you just said, like what it hearkened back to, like, cause I can do that, but it feels like a put on, like, it feels like I'm like doing something extra. That's like not fully authentic Uh when I'm like, Hey, yeah. So you guys should meet because or not, not that. No, but I know what you mean. It's, it's, and I think as performers, you don't want to feel performative. You don't want to feel like someone's getting this like version of you. That's like, like the actor comedian, like, look at me doing my thing. feel like self-conscious about it yeah I I mean I I I mean that's I mean do you walk away from sometimes interactions going like fuck like that wasn't me all the way or or, or I was putting something on or like I wish I sure yeah I mean it's always interesting when you go with your significant other somewhere and they can witness you that's the scary and beautiful thing about your significant other at a party is like they can witness you like repeating a behavior or acting in a certain way that they they're like, hey, 
Like I noticed you were a beta to that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And like, I'm not often, but there are a few people where I'm like, I'm going to be the beta in this conversation. And when you say that, describe what you mean. Um, you know, I think largely there's, uh, there's some alpha and beta stuff of like, who's going to be the top dog in a, in something. And every now and again, I find myself like quiet or not making a joke or, or making too many jokes, trying Mm -hmm. to like impress impress them or whatever. And so I, I definitely, and like being in a relationship, I will notice my, my girlfriend, I will be like. And it's also like showing someone in your house, you're like, you see it through their eyes. So like if you're with, when you're with someone who knows you incredibly well and they see your behavior, yeah. you're like, oh, they're seeing me do this, this thing right now that yeah. isn't entirely who I am. But also, I'm also like, there are times where I'm like, I'm fine playing. That, that's what I was doing there. Cause that's like what I needed to do or wanted to do in that conversation. Yeah. Cause I can read this person well enough to know. Well, there's nothing like better or worse about alpha beta, right? No. But Mm -mm. sometimes we get tricked into thinking that there is. No. Yeah. No, I think. And there are people who are like power betas who I like love to watch. (laughs) You know, what's a power beta in my mind? A power beta is someone who plays low status, but is really running the conversation or the interaction. And how do you do that? Like what's low status? Um, You ask well, not, it doesn't always work this way, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. You ask a lot of questions and, um, it, and, um, you compliment the other person like to, and uh, like really compliment the other person and, and like diminish yourself a bit, mm-hmm. but it's, and then it, there's intentionality behind some of that. Some people are just like, that's what they're doing. Cause that's who they are. Cause it's like, you know, talking to like the, our women in our writer's room, it's like, oh no, that's what women do is they like ask a bunch of questions, ask a bunch of questions and shit on themselves to like make the other person, try to make the other person feel comfortable. Um, so I'm saying that women sure, are a bunch that of is, power. No, 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 that is a cultural thing that American women do. Yes. Yeah. And, but I also think in the case of there are power betas that they're, that's not what they're doing. They're playing a game. Hmm. They're playing a game of, of, um, of, um, they're playing a game of, of, um, seduction through interest, um, and then ultimately controlling the actual narrative of it by giving the impression that they are lower status. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I have, first of all, I, there's, there's, we're, we're coming to the end of our time here. Mm. I have a couple questions that I want to ask you specific ones, but before I do that, I just want to bring up that, that this conversation about, like power dynamics gives me so much fucking anxiety. Sure. And like, I wonder if it also gives you anxiety or if this is a lens that you, through which you see the world that you're very comfortable with. Yeah. Um, do you look at all your interactions or or a majority of your interactions in these terms? No, no. Um, I, I think I largely look at them when I feel I only look at them when I feel less powerful and, and when I feel like, uh, like in my writer's room, which I will call my writer's room, even though it's not exactly, it's like when it's like my show that I am the star of, Uh um, I, people in my room might feel differently than, than, but I don't think like I deride no, well, now that I'm saying it. 
I, I don't think I, when I have power, I don't particularly like to use it. I don't find that very fun. Mm. Um, but when I don't have power, I am conscious of it and I'm figuring out some way to get more of it so that I can then relax and not overuse it. So, okay, I love this, but how do you, when, in what circumstances do you feel like you don't have power? Um, historically, uh, when there was like a woman that I liked who didn't like me in the way that I liked her. Okay. okay. Um, that it's was like a, some emotional vulnerability. Yes. Yes. Or like, yes. Like being like, I'm making it clear that I like you and I'm not getting the sense from you that you like me the way that I like you. Like historically for my, like, you know, at different points in my life, you know? Uh -huh. Um, so that's one, um, uh, just people who have like higher status than me in like career wise. Like, and how, and, 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 and so like what, like they make more money or they've been on more TV shows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That kind of thing. And so when you're in situations with those people, there's some awareness that you have of their power, that they have more power than you. Right. Yes. And I'm, and I'm But either. what if this is mythological? Well, it is and it's not. It isn't. It, it It's not in that they do. They have more power. They have more <laughs> power than me in getting things made like that they want to make. Sure, you sure. Know, Practically. Practically speaking, yeah. they do have more power than me. Uh, uh, not and Mythologically speaking, um, they might be in a miserable marriage and like. And, and feel completely powerless. And feel completely powerless to how someone. Do you, or, or, how do you bolster your sense of 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 power when when you're with somebody who technically gets more stuff made than or can get more stuff made than you um i think i used to use my powers of observation to diminish someone in my head so that i could see what was wrong with them uh -huh. and be like see but they're fucked up x y and z or they're they've drank too much or their wife doesn't find them funny or uh -huh. or whatever uh -huh. it is that like they seem quite alone or whatever it is, you uh -huh. know, use that. And I used to use that to make myself feel better or elevate myself inside of it. Um, and now I'm trying to use that power of observation to find a way to have empathy for those people and the people who are less powerful than me when I see their shortcomings to be like, oh, I think they're this way because x y and z and so why can't i should maybe try to find like some empathy for them it doesn't mean i have to be best friends with them but like if you're standing in a room with i don't george clooney mm -hmm. if you and george clooney are hanging out which maybe you have hung out with george clooney mm -hmm. you have hung out with george clooney i mean i've been at a thing i've been at okay well whatever him, yeah. I, by the way he's just like a random sure, sure, fucking person very, i don't know yes. like who's like yes. uh, you and jay leno who's yeah. like the yeah, fucking yeah. person who has yeah, more yeah. stuff Sure, oh, dude. Sure, sure, I'm sure. making yes, it up. But I know like, a, a very high status. Yeah, like person. how do you how do you uh what I have, find your inner how do you uh what I have fortify found, yourself? Yeah, what I have found is again, it's like it's hard to give like to I can only speak whatever my truth is, and I know that I have I try to I know that I have grown up like in a big family from privilege with lots of love around me. So like me entering social situations and interacting with people, basically for my whole life, I felt secure that people 
don't mind having me around. Like I have felt that it, that is a core thing that I, a gift that I was given by something. You are loved. You are safe. Yes. I have that. I have. There's a fundamental I have sense. A, I have a fundamental sense of that. And okay. I have, and I know that that is a, a gift and not a, a given. It is. And yet I do believe that no matter our circumstances, we can actively cultivate a sense that we are loved and safe. Yes. I believe that. Yes. And when I have been in situations where I don't feel that way, I try to remember that and it doesn't always work, but I try to remember that. And, and, and I know that I have an easier go of it in that way than others do, but I do believe we, everyone has that ability inside of them. I, I'm a big believer in like, you know, empirical evidence. Like when people are f like spinning out, mm -hmm. like, like I don't understand. And this is, again, it's very real for other people, like incredibly seasoned, talented performers mm -hmm. who are having like basically have panic attacks before they perform. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but every time you've performed, mm -hmm. it's gone well. Mm -hmm. So why can't you just look back at the evidence that points to you always doing well mm -hmm. and, and live inside of that? Yeah. And I and don't, they, I don't have an answer to that. Well, will they say like, well, because this could be the time. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think that. Well, I mean, look, what happens to us all, okay, what happens to us all is that we see the world through a lens. Mm -hmm. um, we're okay. Mm -hmm. we're, we're okay. Um, we see, you know, and this lens, I mean, call it a filter, right? Mm -hmm. The filter that we see the world through is created by our our beliefs mm -hmm. and our feelings and our thoughts. Sure. And we, uh, and, and by the way, I say our feelings and our beliefs and our thoughts, because I, what I really believe is that our feelings and our beliefs and our thoughts arise through these filters. Like we sure. are this, 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 and that they're really not ours. Okay. Mm. We think they're ours as soon as they go through our filter. But in reality, there's a lot of energy in the world. And just like we don't, plan what we dream at night mm. um we don't plan what we think but we have thoughts no but i but i think you can we can change our thoughts you can change your thoughts and you you can't control your thoughts for sure but you can like create different grooves yes to have that's what thoughts. i mean so and so what i and when you talk about creating different grooves in the language that i'm like yeah. now speaking yeah um what I would say is you can, you can poke holes in the filter. You can yeah, move the filter. You can sure. shift that. You can dissolve the hologram. Sure. And okay. I think that like, but I think it's, it's the same way that like, 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 do, like doing the, like doing what, whatever you do professionally, like for me, like doing stand up comedy, like I can have moments where I'm like, I don't, this material is not great yet, but like, I'm also not like, I'm going to bomb tremendously tonight. Cause I've done this like almost what, you know, the 10,000 hours I've done this thousands of times now. Right. Right. So, well, that becomes your new wonderful filter, but for whatever right. reason, these people having the panic attacks, there's still some filter that goes like, yeah. this needs to be scary right now. Yeah. And I have those things in my life that are not related to comedy that, 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 uh, that will, uh, spring up. And I'm like, you know, constantly working to, um, 
change that lens, you know, like yeah. refocus it, but it just takes a lot of work. It's just, I don't believe it happens overnight. I don't no. believe like you can just like, well, it do, actually, I do believe, I, I believe it doesn't usually happen overnight and it doesn't always happen overnight, but I do believe that spontaneous tra transformation like that can happen. That sometimes our consciousness suddenly spontaneously shifts it's in a seismic way and that that actually can, huh. we can retain that new state of consciousness. Huh. Not without that. doing like a lot of lead up work and all of a sudden changes. No, no, no. Like... Yeah, no, no. It's not like some random accident. Okay. There's usually right, right, right. some kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's like writing a song. People could be in a in a studio for three days, nothing hits, and then Boom. like five exactly. minutes and they and write I, the whole song. And I believe our consciousness can sure. shift in that same way. I think so. I, I agree with that, but I think that that is related to constantly like being pretty diligent with uh, whatever work that Diligence you want to do. Diligence is key yeah. to living an examined life. Yeah. You cannot have a life of self-reflection, self-discovery without some level of intentionality and discipline. You can't do it. For sure. Um, that's my, that's what I yeah, think. I, buy I think it. that. I believe um, that. And when I say discipline, obviously discipline gets a bad rap because it's associated with punishment. I don't mean anything about that. I yeah. just mean some rate, some intentional practice, some regularity. Sure. Did you have a question? No. Okay. I do. Um, Good. <laughs> so... Here's what my, okay, so now I'm getting into my two final questions uh -huh. for you. This is my penultimate question. Sorry, before you do that, Tell I me. will just say, I just for the record, I leave parties almost every time being like, I can't believe I said that. Just so we're clear. It's yeah. not like I roll through parties and been like, fucking nailed it. I allow myself to like sort of pop around. And then like most people, I then that night or the next day regret a number of the things and I said and And how do you process did. that regret? Uh, sometimes I loop on it. Uh, sometimes I just, and then like, just accept it. Be like, no, okay. But also be like, eh, eh, I don't know. It's fine. It's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. okay that I said that. That's or, a nice, that's a nice thing to see. Yeah. Or, that, but that requires what we're talking about. That requires poking holes in that filter, yes, right? Yes. Because otherwise you can just like write that story that that party was a failure. Yeah, you can come up with a new fucking story. Yeah, yeah. And not not in like some kind of crazy, uh, like literally crazy way where like you're like, actually, I was a success at that party. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. But you can actually really examine like what are the words that I said? What are what is actually is is it OK? Yes. In fact, usually maybe not always, but usually that interaction was basically good. Sure. Totally. Basically good. Yeah. Maybe not a home run, but not bad. Yeah. Maybe you didn't meet. Maybe you wish you hadn't said yeah. something. I mean, I, I want everybody to like else. me, but like, I'm like, yeah, it takes a few times for everybody to really like, like someone, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, if I meet someone five times by, the, let's say like, yeah, two of those times was not a good look, <laughs> you know? But like three of them by the, by the fifth, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that person likes me. And that's oh, all I really care Nikki. about. <laughs> I like, I like you too. You. Thank you. Um, okay. So here, because I like you so much, mm -hmm. I wish that I could like help you not give a fuck about what fucking Oscar parties you were invited to or not invited to. And sure. so, but this is what I want. Right. And I don't, not just for you, for the whole fucking world. I want people to not give a fuck about what parties they're invited to or not invited to, mm -hmm. because in actuality, I believe in reality, in the real, 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 real of real, mm -hmm. it is actually fundamentally like essentially holistically 
not important. Correct. Yes, which I know. And and like, so when I like, and I could be wrong, but I'm like, which was like, I went to the, I went to some parties, went to a party and then came home and was like home with my girlfriend and was like, oh, this is better than going to whatever that party was. Mm-hmm. I was at that party last year. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is better. Mm-hmm. And still I can like loop on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Cause I still like still right now I still in want sitting in this moment. No, not really. But I still want the thing I, I like, I want to get what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, but no, I, I had that realization. I had that, like whatever that uh, gratitude and appreciation to be like sitting in the kitchen with my girlfriend being like, that, this is where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that leads beautifully to my final question, which is, when is the last time that you remember feeling that kind of uninterrupted, pure gratitude? Mm. Um, I think I feel uh, smidgens of gratitude. I don't I usually don't have like gratitude bombs at all, but I think I have pretty regular like many, many blips of gratitude, which for me is just fine. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think I'm on a, I'm not a big roller coaster guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, just let me like, let, let me nibble away like a, like a, like, give me one piece of dark chocolate gratitude every day, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's a good, that's a good day, you know? Yeah. Um, because I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to live in a place that I'm constantly feeling gratitude because then I'm not like doing the things I want to do. Why? Because Why is it mutually exclusive? It's not, but that's, it's not. But I think like, I think it's just the way that I, um, I, I think I, I, the, I think like, um, how would I say it? I think I would just rather be like surfing the present. Like, I think it's like, like when you're surfing, literally surfing, which I don't do, but like when someone's surfing, they're just like, they hit, they start to get in a rhythm with the waves yeah. and they find it and then they ride that wave. Yeah. And like, they're not thinking while they're riding that wave. Like, I can't believe I'm riding right. this wave. They're just riding it. Yeah. And then afterwards, they're like swimming back out for the next one or they're swimming back to shore and be like, I fucking nailed that wave. That was great. Yeah. And yeah. then they're back out paddling out and trying to find that next wave. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's when I feel my best is when I am like surfing the various waves that I get a day and like occasionally like looking at me like, God, this, look at the sun's beautiful. Or like mm-hmm. this, look at the water. Like I did it. I, you know, like that's just how I, that's just like how I, I seem, but I think, but I am working hard at, at, at taking those moments more, but I just don't, I don't exist in a world where I'm like dropping like major gratitude bombs. That's beautiful though, Nick. That's beautiful what you said, because you know, you were living real life. I had this real thought today of like, I was, I was thinking about people in the thirties. I was like, man they're all dead like and it's just like man we're just like yeah it's like we're here right now 
and it's going to be over. We're going to have the cycle of our life like everybody does, like everybody has for like whatever fourth, 5,000 years that people have been on the planet. And we're just like this little moment in time. Yep. And that's fine. You know, it's just fine. It just doesn't matter. It's like we're going to live as long as we do and then it's going to be over. And like, did that shift your day, that thought? Um, it took a little pressure off it. It takes a little pressure when you're just like the inevitability of like life beginning and begin starting being in the process of an ending. Mm -hmm. If you just like are like, right, right, right. It's this whole thing. It just takes the pressure off it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it doesn't have to be a thing. Cause that thing's going to go away anyway. It just has to be. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I adore you. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for having us. It was fun. Dude. Thank you. Okay. okay. All right. So, okay. So we just turned it off briefly mm -hmm. and we then were like, we didn't talk about how we dated. Yeah. We dated. We did. We did. Yeah. Um, and I was saying that I like watched this talk with Jill Soloway and mm -hmm. whoever her like wonderful partner was for a while. And they were like doing like a panel discussion about feminism, but they made it, they decided like sort of in a kind of very conscious performative way to mm -hmm. make it about like a conversation between the two of them where they debriefed mm -hmm. their relationship. Yeah. It just got hot in here. Like I'm not ma imagining. It's like, no, it, just it did get hot, hot in here. Even what do we do about that? Is it too uncomfortable? No, it's fine for me. I mean, it's a good metaphor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Things are heating up. So I, so I was like, and then you in a, an amazing way, we're like, what should we do it? And I was like, fine. Yeah, great. Okay. We have 20 minutes. We're, we're limiting this, this, this sure. part. Duh. Yeah. What do you, so what do you think? What do you want to talk about? Well, I don't know. I mean, I was sort of like, do you want to so, talk about what I said to you at the, at my at the party? party? Sure. Yeah. We can start there and okay. then we can, well, we should tell people. So, okay. So you were doing caveman and I was doing till death. Yeah. Uh, and then we did the strike show and yeah. we kind of like fell a little bit. We in fell love, for each other. Yeah. But we you. didn't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you'd say that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I remember a few things and then we started and then we started dating uh, Later, because I had a dude, you had a, you had a, you had a boyfriend, you had a, you had a boyfriend and, and, and that yeah, nothing happened, but there were feelings. I would say, yeah, and there were, yeah. Um, and then you and your boyfriend broke up, and then we started dating, yeah. And we dated a little less than a year, but it was like you, as you said to me, what I said to you at that party. By the way, this is an example of like <laughs> when you're at a party, you can still drop in. That was great. I was, by the way, I was like. I couldn't believe that you were saying that to me in that moment. Well, I wasn't upset by it. I no, was just like. Yeah. Well, it was so what you said, you know, like I had I had not been in a lot. I had not been in a serious relationship, but I was like 30 and I had not been in a serious relationship. I had like girlfriends, but it was always sort of slightly casual. And and I remember dating you and you having been in various like long term relationships and you were like teaching me, I remember you saying like, I am your training wheels. Like I'm teaching you how to be a boyfriend. And that stuck with me. Cause when we broke up, it was like, fine. It's sad when you break up, but there was never like, it was like, we were always, it wasn't mean. No, it wasn't mean. It was, like, there wasn't bad blood. It was just yeah. like, you know, as cordial. And we were, I've always been cordial and fond of each other when yeah. we've seen each other. And, but I had stuck with me of being like now 10 years on having been in a number of relationships and like done a lot of work of trying to understand like who I am and what my skills are and what my shortcomings are of being like, you know, I never really talked to a cat about 
the truth of that, which was that she what you were like, I, I was learning to be a boyfriend with you and that that was and that I and that I was grateful to you for what you taught me of how to do that. But all and 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 that I was like, you know what? It, I don't think I was like planning on telling you that, but I just think it was like, yeah, this is what's in my head. And I and I meant it with like with gratitude, which is like, boy, you really did like you were patient with me. You 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 really like we the other thing. Yeah. And so I think like I was like, you know, and you said like along the way, like a lot over the past. I mean, when did we when we dated for what, like seven months? Eight, seven, it felt like it, for me that it felt like a real very real, even though it wasn't like years, it felt like a real relationship to me. Yeah. No, it was definitely like of the length that it was real. Yes. But it wasn't like a super, no, super long. No, it was yeah. not a super long relationship. Um, it was and within a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, there have been like moments over the past decade where we, mm. where you've expressed like, I mean, I think mutually, like we've expressed like fondness for each sure. other. Like you've been like, Hey, like I really, like, I still love you basically. Mm -hmm. Not, you've never said those words, but like, I, I, I think of you very fondly yes. or whatever. And I've said me too. Yeah, and exactly. Like, you know, but you felt like you wanted to express. I think it was that particular thing. There's a difference between being like, I still like have such fondness for you yeah. and being like, hey, I want to go back to this. One thing that you said, which is I didn't remember that. Sure. I but I but I think you probably remember the idea yeah, of like. Of course, uh, I was your training wheels, but also like I and this is like what I was thinking about when I was like earlier thinking about whether we would have yeah. a discussion of this nature is that you know, I was a really. I guess, okay, so since we're being, like, really honest, like, I guess when you said that to me at the party that, that like, I sort of was your training wheels or whatever, like, I, I wondered if you felt any guilt. And I, and I wanted to mm. to say that, like, you don't, that you didn't need to feel any guilt there because because I also, you know, that relationship was also very informative for me sure. and like, um, and, and, and hard. And, and even though I was your training wheels, by the way, at that moment in time, I probably was not very good training wheels. Like, no, <laughs> well, it's I, like honestly, like I, you know, like I wasn't necessarily in the most stable moment. I mean, for so many reasons, like I had just moved from New York. I also had been in a serious relationship mm -hmm. with this guy for four years. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, like there was, sure. I, I was going through a huge adjustment. Oh, and then I was off till death, mm -hmm. which was like a sudden like yeah. thing. Like I felt like the rug had sort of been pulled out from under me and, you know, there, and I was also like, I had deep, like, you know, insecurities about a lot of shit at mm -hmm. that moment, you know? And sure. so, and there were a lot of areas that I hadn't necessarily mined. Um, I mean, I'd been in therapy at that point for years, but so many b blind spots um, mm -hmm. still. So, you know. Yeah, I don't, it's, there were probably, you know, like, look, when relationships end, there's regrets and things like that. Like, 
And I think, but it wasn't, it, it has not been a tremendous amount of guilt. It was more honestly from a place less of guilt and more of like love yeah, of like, yeah. I'm, I'm, this isn't been eating at me, but it's something that I've been thinking about. And now years on, I, I want to come back well, around. Had some really great relationships. Yeah. 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 They have. And so like, it's been a, it's such a, it's just such a long journey. The interesting thing about dating people or being married or being in a serious relationship is oftentimes the people that you like share your life with, like that you have the most connection to, then you break up and they're out of your life and they don't, and many times you don't interact with that person anymore. And so it's this weird thing where you're like, you know, I know your whole family. I know, you know, I know things about your life and you know things about my life that very, very, very few people know about. And then all of a sudden one day, like that relationship's over and then that person is out of your life who was the most oftentimes significant person in your life. Yeah. yeah. And it's a, it's a really wild thing. And I have had all versions of that in the relationships I've had over the years. Yeah. Some of your exes you're talking to others, you're not. Yeah. And so like, and so, and, and, and that's such a it is. it's interesting, a weird, weird and thing. thing. And so like yeah. the idea that we can sit here many years on, even though we were always like fine seeing each other, like, and, and, and talk about our relationship, but also just like talk about what we do and how we feel like is like, it's is, special. It's a real gift, you know, it really is. I um, agree. It really is. And it's just, and it's just a weird thing where like, you just, it's such an interesting thing with relationships that you have these like super intimate deep connections to people and then one day like they're over and then and it's not always this way some people transition to being good friends or or like whatever yeah um and it's just it's just kind of fascinating well i can tell you that like i mean retrospectively i definitely projected a lot onto you that really wasn't about you Mm. like retrospectively Mm -hmm. i can say that like one of the things that um that i've like processed in therapy was that is that you you kind of were like my dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you Uh kind of are like a lot of like little like my dad Uh and so like you know like i sought you know, you're like, I wanted you to do things for me that my dad never did. Sure. So much of this shit comes back to our parents. Like it just, yeah, you probably mistook me. Like I remember there was one time where we were in a car Mm -hmm. and I touched your back Mm -hmm. and you were like, Oh, sorry. I can't, you couldn't have me touch your back. Uh And you, I think you even said, sorry. It's just like, when you do that, it feels like you're my mom. Yeah. Sure. Well, what's crazy is that we're like drawn to people that remind us of our parents and then allow those people to like trigger us like our parents do. Well, yeah. I mean, we're either. Yeah, of course. Because again, like that's how those these are the lenses. Sure. These are the lenses of our these are the filters. Yeah through which we experience relationship. Totally. This is like what we were, uh, you know, from our earliest, earliest days in the world. And Ener- the energetics that we had with our mothers and our fathers mm-hmm. are the things that set the tone 
for our entire life of relating to men and women in the world. Totally. Totally. (laughs) I love you, mommy. (laughs) No kidding. I'm sorry. (laughs) But it's, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, it's like, I wish there were a way, because like really, and this is not the case with us, but like in general with relationships, like it does feel like time heals. Yeah. Like, the people who I was so angry with who broke my heart or who's or vice versa, like over time, it just like, you're like, Oh, life just like kind of moves on. Yeah. Unless someone was like really, really terrible to you. Yeah. But like, well, ideally, but also like ideally, like even if someone was really, really terrible to you, like ideally we evolve and we can grow a sense of compassion for even that, sure. you know, sure. um, which is very hard. I mean, I definitely, there's one person in the world that I still fucking resent and mm-hmm. it's been a long time. And my current relationship, I mean, I have a baby with this person mm-hmm. that I'm with and I'm like so happy in this relationship. Like, mm-hmm. It has ended up sure. in my life. I am, I am so grateful that I can really truly say like, I have really hit my own personal jackpot Great. of like yeah. people in the world. Like it's really worked out for the best. But I still, even still. Yeah, it doesn't I'm matter. Like, you, you can be dude. like, yeah, yeah. You it's know? like you can still be happy with the person you're with and be like, I'm still hurt by that other person. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I was, so that was my, shit, that was Dana's wedding. Yeah. That was my sister's wedding who now has four children. With the same yeah. dude. Yeah. God, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so we started dating and then it was like how it was pretty like quickly that yeah. I then went to your sister's wedding with you because yeah. you, because we, that was just how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Wow. Yeah. That is wild. That's really, really, really. Life is hurtling cool. past. Yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. But in like such a beautiful way. Yeah. Well, it's like I do, if you can, I guess it's like, you just can't hold on so tight. Um, yeah, no, you definitely can't. Where are you? So, do you need something? No. Um, all right. Well, do we do, uh, do you have did anything we do else it? to did say? Did we talk about it? I don't know. Did we, did, yeah. does it seem complete? Baraka, do you have any questions? Yeah. yeah I mean, we what did else it. is there to say? I don't know. I mean, I think like, I think, I mean, look, maybe a lesson to be taken from this is like only date someone for eight months. <laughs> Because <laughs> we were like in way, it, do you know what I mean? In it but enough, like, but not so much that our like lives got turned upside yeah, down exactly. entirely. Like we thank God we didn't move in together. I do know. You know I mean? Oh my God, in one of those apartments. Ari Streamer. Yeah. <laughs> I won't say. You know, you know where Jim and I met. Where? My current. Yeah. I, uh, he was my downstairs neighbor. In that apartment? At Poinsettia Place. No way. After your time, though. Yes. But yes. I would I would imagine. Clo- oh, meaning... Like, at- a, like a year later, though, like a year after we dated, two years after we dated, though, that's when Jim moved into the downstairs apartment. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, but we didn't start dating then. Yeah. Then I was still with this other yeah. human. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Well, here we all are. Um, here we all are. All right. Well... It's been a pleasure. It really has. Yeah. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. That's our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at I am Kat Foster. Reach out to us using the hashtag ActingRealPod. We really, really get those messages and we really, really answer them. 
Links and recommendations for this week's episode can be found at actingrealpodcast.com. Episodes drop on Mondays. Most importantly, if you love this show, please subscribe to it, rate it, review it. We love seeing those. That means a huge deal to the show. We're so grateful for you. We love you. Have a great day. This podcast was produced by the incredible Augusta Chapman with help from our amazing coordinator, Hannah Barbakoff, and our very talented sound engineer, Baraka Jenga. The music, which I absolutely adore, is composed by Sean Hokinson. 